This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. To the book of Philippians, and we're going to read a few verses in chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, I want to read just a small passage, three verses, 5 to 8, and then we're going to read from 25 until the end. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of of death, even death on a cross. Verses 25. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. If I was to ask you tonight about your Facebook page or your Instagram page or your Twitter account and whatever other social media is out there, I was to ask you, how many followers have you? No, I I don't even look at that, to be honest, but you would ask yourself, how many followers have you got? Which begs a second question. What are they following you for? Now, I know social media is maybe just you have a business page or Instagram page of certain pictures and maybe just for family. But if I were to ask the question, what are they following me for? Which begs another question. What is the example that I am setting to them? Whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And it's not just the case online. It's in your life. What is the example you're setting in your life? We read these verses here in Philippians. And Paul has come to the Philippian church. He's writing from Rome. He's under house arrest. And he's encouraging them because they're suffering and struggling. Paul loved these churches. Paul loved all of the churches that he had And he would write to them to build them up, to encourage them, to strengthen them. And he writes to the Philippians who are going through so much suffering. And he says to them in verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What did he just say to them? The way he encouraged them was he reminded them of the gospel. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. That's the way Paul encourages these people. 
he goes on further down and he says in verse 9 it is my prayer that you may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment in the previous verse he said I want you to know the gospel in these verses he says I want you to grow in the gospel it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with Christ Jesus by knowledge and discernment grow in the gospel and then he goes on in the verse 12 of chapter 1 he says I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel and he talks about his sufferings and how the gospel has been gone forth what is he saying to them I want you to preach the gospel I want you to know the gospel I want you to grow in the gospel and I want you to preach the gospel and we come to some of the verse 27 of chapter 1. And he starts to get into the nitty-gritty of character. Because it's to know the gospel, to grow in the gospel, to preach the gospel. But we have to have that character that people will listen to the gospel message that we preach and proclaim. What does he say in verse 27 of chapter 1? Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you, you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He challenges their character. He says, this is the example. This is what you are to follow. And that's why we went into chapter 2 and read verse 5, because this is the key in verses 1 and 2 because this is the servant model that he lays down for the followers of Christ have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If you don't hear anything else tonight, hear those verses. This is about Jesus. He is the servant model for each and every one of us. Paul holds Jesus up here as the example to follow. Do you notice it's a command it's not a suggestion have this mind among yourselves it doesn't say it would be good if you had this mind he says have this mind it's an imperative it's in a command but also notice he says which is yours in Christ Jesus he doesn't give us an out we may say, Hardy, I, do. I can't do that. That's not what Paul says here. That's not what the Word of God says to us tonight. It commands us to have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't give them an out. Paul says, here's my command. Here's the command of the Lord. Now we read from verses 25, but if we had read on down... Paul encourages the Philippians to keep looking at this. And he encourages them to keep looking at this because naturally, like ourselves, 
we would turn around and say, is this really possible? Because he commands them to work out their own salvation. Now, he's not commanding them to work out their own salvation, to keep their salvation. But he's commanding them to work out their own salvation in character. What is the character of the salvation in our lives? And Paul goes on to give them three examples. Himself, number one. Number two, we haven't, didn't read it. He holds up Timothy. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord to Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So Paul's held up himself, and he's held up Timothy. And now he holds up this man, Epaphroditus. And we just want to focus for a few moments tonight on Epaphroditus. Because there's only a few verses, these verses and one verse, I think, at the end of Philippians. And that's all that is ever mentioned of Epaphroditus. But what is said about him is very, very telling about his character about who he is as a servant of God. Epaphroditus, he says, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. Epaphroditus, he called him my brother, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. The first thing about Epaphroditus here is that he is a family man. He is a family man. Paul says he is my brother. Now we can skip over that verse and say, well, he's a brother. But actually when you look at these two people, Paul and Epaphroditus, and you look at their history, when you see Paul coming from his Phariseeism, he would have been so far on the extreme from Epaphroditus, who was so far over here. Because you think of Epaphroditus' name, he was a Gentile, he was a pagan. He's named after the goddess Aphrodite, the goddess of love. This is where his background was in a pagan society where they worship pagan gods. That's what his name means. He's named after the goddess Aphrodite, Epaphroditus. And the Pharisees would have absolutely nothing to do. They could barely talk to some of their own people. But the Pharisees were so far from the pagan culture. It was night and day. It was black and white. There was no gray in between between the two of them. But Paul called him my brother. My brother. What does this tell us? This tells us that Jesus can take the most mortal enemies that are distant from one another and he can bring them together as one. He brings them together and makes them family. And it's only he can do it. He is my brother. 
he is a family man. It says he's a brother of Paul. But he's also a brother of the Philippian church because this man has been sent by the Philippian church. So he's not only a brother individually, but he's a brother corporately to the body of the Philippian church. Us tonight, are we brothers and sisters in the faith? Brothers and sisters to one another, individually and corporately. Are we one in Christ? And to be called a brother means that we have to be born again of the Spirit of God. There is no other way than through Jesus Christ and faith in him. There's parts of the church today who have put this aside for unity. And unity with people who are not brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're all together. We're showing the love. But if we're not a brother and a sister, born again in Christ, then we may as well be like Paul and Epaphroditus. We're so distant. But it is only God who brings them together. He is my brother. I was looking today, just thinking about this. Charles Darwin, Theory of Evolution. Where is he buried? He's buried in Westminster Chapel. Westminster Abbey, sorry. A man who fought and led the foundation for the theory of evolution, which does away with God, but yet he's honored. Honored in some theory and some denominations as a brother. No, he's not. Because it is those that are only in Christ and are following Christ as their servant model are brothers and sisters in Christ. Epaphroditus is my brother. Wow, what heart of God brings two enemies together like that? But he does. Paul next calls him. He's my brother and fellow worker. Fellow worker. The word fellow here means to cooperate. It means to be together, to support what needs to be done. Sometimes we can say that word fellow, but it has to have action. Cooperation for what needs done. He was a fellow worker with Paul for what needed done in the kingdom of God. For what Paul was involved in, he was to cooperate. Paul was no maverick. As times we think about Paul and we think Paul was just this big man on his own. And let's be honest, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But Paul was never or very rarely alone physically, but never alone spiritually. 
Paul always had friends, fellow workers with him. You read through the book of Acts, and you'll see Timothy, you'll see Silas, you'll see Apollos, you'll see Priscilla and Aquila, and on and on and on and on. When the, the Luke who wrote the, um, the book of Acts, you'll see every occasionally and again he says, and we did this, and we went here. Paul was not alone. Paul was no maverick. Paul was a servant with fellow workers. Paul reinforced this in third, uh, sorry, make sure I get the right. Third John 1 and 8 says, therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2, he says, And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish you and exhort you in your faith. In Corinthians, Paul talks about this fellow working together. And he gives a good example of what it's like when we're not working together. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 9, when he says, What then is Apollos? Because the Corinthian church were exalting themselves, and individuals within the Corinthian church were exalting themselves. They were making them into super apostles. And they were saying, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Because they were saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Christ. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Epaphroditus is a fellow worker for the kingdom of God. There's no superstars in the kingdom of God. I know we all have our favorite preachers. I'm no different. But we're not holding them up above Christ. And if we are, we need to ask ourselves questions. But Epaphroditus is a willing to be a fellow worker, to support the work of the gospel. You can't be a fellow worker when you're building your own kingdom. Can this happen to us? Yes, it can. Because pride is so subtle in our lives. Pride can get in and make us think of ourselves more than what we are. But we're nothing more than fellow workers. You can't be a fellow worker if you're building your own kingdom. Really, it just leads to selfishness to pride, to greed. And it really at the heart is just idolatry. We've held ourselves up as our own God and we're taking God's glory. But not Epaphroditus. He is a fellow worker. He's my brother and he is my fellow worker. 
Then Paul called him and fellow soldier. Paphroditus is a family man. He's a working man. And he's a fighting man. He's my fellow soldier. It's interesting language Paul uses because the Philippians would have really understood this because Philippi in those days was a Roman, was a military colony. And Paul's writing from Rome and he's surrounded by the Praetorian Guard. So he was very, very well aware of the military exercises that were going on around. And the Philippians would have been very, very aware of the military colony. We think of the day we think of Cambridge or Oxford and we call them university towns. We think of, in, in England, Sandhurst. We think of it as a military town. West Point in America is a military town. Here, they would have known this as a military town. And Paul calls him a fellow soldier. This is the metaphor that Paul's holding up for the Philippian Christian and for us tonight. That we are to be fighting men and women. Not fighting one another, but fighting for Christ, for the gospel to go forth. This is the nature of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is this fighting man. And he proves his credentials because... He's a wounded soldier. What does it say about him? For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him and not on him, and not on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And then in verse 30 again, he says, For he nearly died for the work of Christ. Paphroditus is all in. He's all in. Sometimes I think I'm a bit in and a bit out. And I'm sometimes a wee bit closer to all in, sometimes a wee bit closer to all out. And many of the time maybe you're like that. But like Epaphroditus, we need to be all in for Christ. He's in the fight. You can't be a soldier if you're not in the fight. Sometimes people are willing to let someone else do the fighting. And we'll stay on the outskirts. That's not how our fellow soldier works. A fellow soldier is a companion in arms. Back to back. If you watch my back, I'll watch yours. Fighting the enemy because we're back to back. No one can come from behind. That's a fellow soldier. That's the illusion that Paul's using here. And Paul has the imperial guard around him, so he knows what it's like. A soldier pays the price and he puts his life on the line. And this is what Epaphroditus, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life. What a picture of the fellow soldier. What does 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 say? Sure in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no, excuse me, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Sadly, sometimes we get entangled. 
we need to get rid of those entanglements. Because literally, it means sometimes we're no good to no one. Because we're not all in. We're not in the fight. We're building our own kingdom. But Paul is calling them to be fellow soldiers with him in the work of the gospel. This is how Paul portrays this man. He's a family man. He's a working man. He's a fighting man. And he's a trusted man. My brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. He's a trusted man. The word messenger there is where we get the word apostle from, apostolon. That's not in the same way that Paul was an apostle. It literally means he was sent by the Philippian church. But this shows you also the character of the man. He was trusted. Paphroditus just didn't turn up one day and think, I'm here, send me. No, this was a man within the Philippian church who had earned his stripes. This is a man who had put effort and work and was loyal and faithful in the everyday in the Philippian church. He was a man of character, and that character was built. That's what God's doing in our lives. He's building character into it. He's a minister to my need. The word there for minister is liturios, and it comes from the priest, the priestly ministry to minister. What does the minister do? What was the priestly ministry of the Levites? They were to minister on behalf of God to the people. They were to go from God to the people and minister to them. Now, each one of us is a minister because God sends us to minister to one another. So this is not some special office for the chosen few. This is for us all because we can minister to one another. He ministered to my need. The Philippians had sent money and provisions to Paul. And they were one of the only churches that really did it when he was in prison. And they did it three or four times. We haven't time to look at the scriptures tonight. But this man was trusted to bring it to Paul. And he fulfilled his duty. Because the scholars tell us that on the way he took sick. This isn't when he got there. Then he took sick. He took sick on the way. But he still battled through. And it almost cost him his life. This is a man you can trust. This is a man with character. He came with a physical gift. He came with a financial gift. But what an encouragement it was to Paul. A man who was in prison. A man who was under armed guard. What an encouragement that would be. Who knows what your gift, small as it may be, in what way God calls you to go forward with it, that it can be an encouragement to someone else. It can lift them 
spiritually and encourage them. This man is a model servant. But that brings us back to verses 5 and 8 again. That's the key. Because the model servant follows the servant model. The model servant follows the servant model who is Jesus Christ. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Let me be sort of strong about that. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of Heaven came and he humbled himself and emptied himself. How dare we put ourselves above that? How dare we think we're better than that? How dare we draw attention to ourselves? We are fellow workers, fellow soldiers, ministers, messengers, brothers to one another and for God. I love this story of Epaphroditus, but really it's not about Epaphroditus. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the servant model and we are to be model servants. Before we can be a model servant, we need to know the servant model. We need to read about Jesus. We need to pray and ask him to help us by his spirit to model his service because it's for his glory and for his honor. We're here tonight not just to have a time of church. We're here tonight to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and everything that we do from the start of the service to the end of it, by his grace, let us endeavor to do that to the best of our ability. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and minister to my need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. Father, without your gospel, we are nothing. We are lost, hopeless, deserving of hell forever and ever. But Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that he emptied himself, that he humbled himself to die even death on the cross for us. Father, the psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him? 
Father, we can pray that prayer tonight. Who are we that you are mindful of us? But Father, you put your love upon us and you called us to yourself and you drew us to yourself and you saved us onto yourself. And we thank you, Father, that you will bring us one day home to be with yourself. Lord, in this meantime, help us to be model servants. Help us to get rid of the entanglements and to serve you, to be brothers and sisters, to be fellow workers, to be fellow soldiers, to be messengers and ministers of the gospel of God. Lord, in all of this, we give you the glory and we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.